Before we dive into today's conversation, we wanted to let you know that we're going to be talking about comparison and eating disorders. We know this topic can be triggering, so if this is something you struggle with, enjoy this episode with somebody you trust or listen and send it to a friend so you're not alone. We hope this conversation will be informative and encouraging. Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Ainsley, and I'm here with my co-host, work, and real friend, Jen Brubaker. This is the identity crisis season, and we hope you enjoy. So go on a bike ride, walk your dog, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we are chatting with my dear, dear friend, Brianna Weidman. This conversation is a real and honest look at food, identity, and Brianna's journey with an eating disorder. We love her and we know you will too. Enjoy! Well, Brianna, here's your official welcome to the Work Friends podcast. Yay! We're very excited that you're here uh to start off we're just gonna do some fun facts to get to know you a little bit so first of all where did you grow up I grew up in Elmira and how many years have you been married I just passed two years Woohoo! oh yeah (laughs) fun fact your anniversary is my mom's birthday so I think I will always remember your anniversary now I think of you every time it's my mom's birthday was your mom (laughs) upset that you came to my wedding on her birthday um (laughs) No, because I was also away volunteering at a retreat that weekend. So I was just gone, gone. But I think her and my dad went away. Like they would rather go away for her birthday without me anyway. So (laughs) like really, it's all good. (laughs) If you had a free day, what would you do? I think it would involve both hiking and having a great charcuterie lunch at the top of a mountain. I think that'd be my ideal day. And it would be like 17 degrees outside. Oh, the perfect temperature. Can we do that sometime? Please. Yeah, we can make that happen if you want. (laughs) It's true. I don't know if we can control the weather, but we can make the rest for sure. (laughs) Now, I find this has learned to be very telling about people. What is your biggest pet peeve? People being late. I, (laughs) like, I am very particular about it and I'm trying to like invite Jesus into my heart but I nothing gets me (laughs) riled up faster than like we committed to a time and my friend's 10 minutes late and I'm like they don't care about me and I just go on this trek so that's a big pet peeve I just want to apologize for all the times I've been late (laughs) you're not I don't know you're not the worst Jen don't worry about it Okay, cool I don't (laughs) mind if people are late sometimes but when people show up late and they have Tim Hortons in their hands I could pass out. I get so frustrated. Like, that's so bad. Yes. And you're like, you took time to do something that wasn't super important. Yeah. Like, I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Frustrated. What is your favorite activity to do? My favorite activity? Besides hiking and eating charcuterie. Charcuterie is really up there. Um, (laughs) I have recently, since the pandemic, gotten into rock climbing. That's a new hobby of mine, both outdoor and indoor, though I guess not so much indoor these days. Um, I like to do yoga sometimes. I just like to be outside when it's nice, not too hot. Those are some of my hobbies. Nice. Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning, 100%. I am, by 9.30, I am like dead to the world. I'm useless. 
but I, <laughs> I have to get up early for work anyways, but, um, I really enjoy my mornings. Nice. So now you like to travel. Where's the next place you want to travel to? I've been thinking about, um, like Israel or Jordan, somewhere like Middle East kind of vibes or South Africa has always been on my list. I know you guys have been there. Yeah. Super jealous. Would recommend, would recommend. <laughs> what is your favorite book? Um, this is difficult, but I really remember loving the book Dance, Stand, Run by Jess Connolly, the one that we all read together. Yeah. That's like one of my faves for sure, but it's always changing. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. So other than work, what gets you up in the morning? Well, I think because I like mornings, that helps. But also I really enjoy having, I am an extrovert for sure, but I do like having a bit of time to myself with Jesus and my coffee. Like just a quick like 10 minutes really recharges me definitely for sure. If you were not working where you're working, what would you be doing? I would love, my dream has always been to work in victim services, work with like victims of crimes or something like that. Yeah, I'd really love to try that out. And that's where my heart has been for a long time. So that's kind of my future goal. That'd be awesome. You'd be so good at that. Oh, thanks. That basically sums up everything that everyone needs to know about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but tell us about yourself so people can kind of get to know you a bit better aside yes. from those fun questions. Yes. Um, so I, I will currently work at a men's shelter. Uh, so that's for people experiencing homelessness, which is a very interesting job. It can be difficult. It can be traumatizing but it can be rewarding and beautiful I've learned so much about compassion there um, something that doesn't come naturally to me I would say my husband's name is Zach and I love him so much being married to him I feel like has made me like such a better person because he has all the he's better at the things that I'm bad at and so like we're a good pair and he I look up to him a lot what else? Yeah, I love to be outside and climb mountains, even when it's very difficult. I'm an Enneagram one to like the max probably. So I'm very critical, but also I really expect the best of myself. And I work towards that, which can be good and which can be bad as we will get into. Um, but I like to see that in the world around me too, which I think can be a gift. Yeah, and I'm really honest, which I think is good, but a lot of people around me have been like, okay, <laughs> tone it down sometimes. <laughs> but yes, that's a bit more about me. Uh, I love Enneagram ones. One of my good friends is like also like a very classic Enneagram one. And mm. I feel like we've just made such a great pair. She's made me fall in love with spreadsheets and uh, it's just, it's great. <laughs> are you a four? I'm a three with You're like, three. I don't know my wing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So today we're going to talk um, about your journey with an eating disorder and kind of um, just walking through that. Um, so take us kind of back before that was part of your story and what did life look like before you struggled with that? Yeah. So I feel like I'm kind of a late bloomer with this issue. I don't know necessarily if that's at all true. But um, so I didn't really struggle with body image as much until my first year of university. Throughout middle school, I felt like I don't know, a very normal level of self-conscious. It's not like I never noticed bodies because like you're like 13 and you, you know, your body's changing and everyone else's body's changing at a different rate than yours. So obviously you notice, but for me, I never really cared so much. However, I always hated and I always have, and I still to this day hated when people talk about their bodies in bad ways. 
I, I don't know, it just really like stirred something in me and made me super uncomfortable. And I had no idea how to like participate in those conversations. Partially, I don't really love people who fish for compliments. I find that kind of like, I don't know, mm. that just sets me off too. I'm like, mm. I'm just not going to give it to you. So there's like, are they fishing for compliments or are they actually struggling with something? And I don't know what to do. So that's always been a thing for me. I've always been like weird when people talk about it. Like there's been sometimes people in my lives are talking about diets they are doing or like they lost weight. And I just like, uh, is this good? Is this bad? Like, I don't know what you want me to say. So I, in some ways, I think I had a very before university, a very healthy view of, um, my body. Um, mostly because I just didn't really think about it too much. I was a pretty average size person. I'm a little short and I wasn't super athletic. Um, I discovered live fit in grade 10 with Jenny, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was not an athletic kid. I am not an athletic person to this day, but um, I was able to kind of find through that class and I had a great teacher that uh, there was ways I could be active. I did dance for a little bit too, but not very intensely. Yeah, so my body was like relatively normal, but I definitely noticed the ways that people talked about their bodies and it bothered me a lot. Mm. What started you on this path of actually having an eating disorder then? Yeah. Um, it's difficult to say exactly. I, I can tell you when it started for sure was when I began my first year of university. Uh, there was a lot of change in my life at that time. Um, I had come back from a year of Bible school. My brother had gotten married. I lived away from home for the first time. I was living in a house with like friends. And it didn't start because of any sort of comparison thing or, you know, I, I didn't like the way I looked. There was no, it was nothing like that. Yeah. So it wasn't anything necessarily about my body that, I mean, I think my body had probably changed a bit being at Bible school, just like there wasn't really an active pattern in my life, but that wasn't the instigator. It was more this big time of change and me feeling like my life was out of control there was like issues with some of my friends that I didn't know how to deal with. And I was trying to learn how my faith fit into my life now that I was a full-time university student, just coming off of Bible school, which is like, you have all the time in the world to devote to your relationship with God. So I didn't really have those things that fit into my life. So yeah, I felt out of control and eating felt like something I could control. And so it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to lose weight initially. I was just like, this is something I can control. And maybe, and then it was like, well, maybe if I lose a few pounds, you know, that's another way I could control another aspect of my life. Mm. So like, as I was able to like continue to eat less and less without it bothering me too much, you kind of like build up a tolerance for that in a way. Um, so I'd be, that kind of led me to notice more things that I hated about myself. Um, kind of the cycle, it just kind of goes down very fast. I would restrict more and then I would count my calories and I would do more exercise. And then I would realize like, Oh, I actually also don't like this about me. And then I'd realize another thing I wanted to change and I would, so I would restrict more and I would, you know, do all this stuff. And yeah, it kind of was a very quick cycle down very fast into some really unhealthy, unhealthy patterns of skipping meals. And I wouldn't say I over-exercised too much. That wasn't as much a thing for me. I know eating disorders look different for different people. There's mm -hmm. many different kinds. Um, my main thing was just restricting my diet to something that was way below 
the nutrition I needed to feed my body for a day. Yeah, so that's kind of the beginning of the the story there. As you struggled, what would you say was like the soundtrack playing in your mind? It's funny, like that started, what, four years ago, I think? five years ago now. Um, and it's been a roller coaster ever since I like did this little poem I wrote, I posted on my Instagram and it's called today. I hate you. And I wrote it just cause it like, um, I'm not going to read it or anything. <laughs> it's not like a great poem, but the point was like, it's so up and down and like body dysmorphia, um, which is like essentially not really being able to have a good sense of what your body looks like. It changes so much. Like what I see in the mirror one day or from the beginning of the day to the end of the day is so different. And my mood affects like what I feel like I see a lot of the time. So it's really up and down. And it's not that I've always hated my body. There's some days where I'm like, you know, oh, dang, like, girl, you look cute. Um, (laughs) But it's definitely a roller coaster. But in the beginning, it was way more down. um, And it was very consuming. I would say that it just took up so much of my brain space about what I was going to eat. If there was a meal, like if someone wanted to eat with me, like I had to think about that and plan my day or my week around that. So they didn't suspect anything or ask any questions. Cause again, I was still super uncomfortable talking about my weight. And like, even today, I still have a hard time. I don't think I really vocalized what it is specifically. Like I don't like about my body because I find that hard to talk about. And so I just did everything to avoid having those conversations or starting those conversations with people that I knew. And so my whole life and my whole, all of my thoughts became about a losing weight and the things wrong with my body and b how I can avoid confronting that essentially with anyone in my life. Was there ever a point where you felt like you hit rock bottom? I think the worst that my eating disorder got was about like a month in, honestly, it was around like my 21st birthday or 20th birthday. Yeah. My 20th birthday. Sky zone birthday party. My sky zone. Yeah. You were there. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) We went to sky zone. Okay. That night was very fun. I did love sky zone. That Mm. was like a joy, but that was kind of also near my lowest point. Maybe it was a few weeks after I was like, um, not really eating much of anything throughout the day, kind of very minimal And I had posted notes um, all over my room saying, do not eat. Like, you can't eat. And I got sick, (laughs) obviously, (laughs) because I was not caring for my body. Um, I just felt, like, sick in the sense, like, kind of cold, but mostly just, like, I felt, like, weak. And it felt like, and this is what happens when you don't eat, is your body starts to take apart kind of your muscles for energy and, like, draws on sources it it normally isn't supposed to draw from because it thinks you're starving. And so I just felt really sick and I couldn't avoid the conversations as much. I still did as much as I could, but there had to be some sort of explanation at that point. Um, So I feel like that was my worst when it comes to disordered eating behaviors because I also didn't have a close female friend in my life at that time who was really who I was really held accountable to. I didn't really have a close person. I didn't have a safe person. I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone in my life at that time too. So it was very much, I was alone and it was just able to get so big and so out of control. But even after I was able to get my eating a bit more in check, I had a big um, year long issue with anxiety and panic attacks. Um, They were very like physical. Like it started out, I thought I was having allergic reactions and I went to the hospital because I'm like, 
why is my throat closing? It felt like my throat was closing up and I couldn't breathe. And yeah, these panic attacks that would just kind of come out of nowhere, but it was kind of connected to my eating. And I didn't really realize that until I went to therapy. (laughs) Um, But that was also another low point of, I remember like at that point I was dating Zach, who's now my husband. And I think it was like five days in a week, I would have these debilitating panic attacks where I thought I was like dying and I couldn't breathe. And, and I would just like cry and hyperventilate for like an hour. And yeah, it was really bad in that way too. Um, which was related to food stuff, but not as much the disordered eating behaviors. So there was like a couple things. This journey has been long. (laughs) This journey has been long and there's been many ups and downs, but those two, I feel like stand out as like my lowest points in this journey so far. And, oh, I did want to add here that I'm still like in this journey. Um, As Jen, you were talking to me and asking me to speak about this, I felt like, yeah, I can speak about it. It's been like, four years or whatever. And I've been much better about my eating. And then I like last week, Jen, I was talking to you, like, I was getting back into those habits again of like, okay, when can I skip a meal and no one will know, you know, like that kind of stuff I was doing just last week. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I have more tools to combat now. But it's it's something that I still very much deal with today. But I've I've, I have learned more strategies to deal with it. And I just want to say, be like, I've seen that growth in you over the last couple of years. Like, I remember pretty vividly, like, the moment where you shared with me how you've been wrestling with that. I think we were at camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it, yeah, even, like, our conversation the other week, it's like, wow, God, like, I know this has been so hard. And I've only seen a fraction of it. And yet, like, even the way that you talk about it, you see those steps of growth. And yet like you haven't arrived so to speak (laughs) at the end of the tunnel and I I really appreciate that about you Mm -hmm. um that it's not like tying a bow around something that's hard it's like it's gonna be okay it's like Mm -hmm. you know it's still something that is is still really really hard Mm -hmm. but I really appreciate the way that you've been really open and vulnerable in sharing that two percent as we say (laughs) um yeah So tell us a little bit about what healing looked like for you or still looks like for you. Yeah. So initially, uh, I needed to do a lot to deal with the like mental health and physical health piece of it because it was so, yeah, those behaviors were so destructive. So it's really lame and it's not the story I wish I could tell. And, um, but it is the story. (laughs) And I will say that CrossFit was initially the thing that helped me overcome my eating disorder which is weird and everyone's like oh yeah you could do crossfit everyone talks about crossfit and (laughs) um (laughs) it's classic i know and it's lame but i was told by zach zach did crossfit actually and he's like you should try this you might like it you like fitness and stuff and i went and tried and i loved it i was like loving the challenge the difference and i wanted to get better i wanted to get stronger i wanted to be able to do the things i was seeing the other women in the gym do and so but i was getting sick because I would go and I wouldn't have fueled my body and I would try and like do these hard workouts and I would just feel like throwing up the whole time and I wouldn't be able to do them to the best of my ability. So that initially gave started that started the thought process in my mind of like, I need to fuel my body to do what I want to do. And that's very basic and very like step one. So I was, as I was able to understand that in terms of CrossFit, then it began to grow from there. 
Um, and the one thing, uh, one more thing I will say about CrossFit, and then I'm done talking about it. <laughs> um, I think that I appreciated most was their goals and the things they encourage you in were not appearance based or like, mm. I want to lose five pounds, or I want to be a size six. It was like, I want to be able to do a pull up. I want to be able to squat, you know, this, I want to be able to walk on my hands. It was like things you could do instead of like, mm. I'm too fat. Blah, blah, blah. And I was around a lot of women who were doing this with me too, and were not really looking at themselves, but more like testing what they could be doing and wanting to push each other. And like, you can run farther, you can squat more, you know, and those kind of things. And I think that was a really healthy mindset of how I exercise to begin to look at how I exercise and why I exercise. And also just the piece of wanting to be healthy to live a long life. Well, maybe a longer, healthier life, you know? And once I, so once that initially began to click, I sought therapy. I had a great therapist who I miss. I haven't seen her in a couple years and I, and I really want to see her again just because she's lovely. Um, mm -hmm. Who was really able to help me with some of the mental health piece of that and the anxiety that came with it as I kind of began to eat more. I did, uh, there was medication for a little bit to help with anxiety. And ultimately, like it was beginning to bring it out into the light and talking to people I trusted and finding safe places to share and to be honest as much as I could. Um, so those were kind of the practical things, but then there was the spiritual piece of realizing that it was spiritual for a long time. I didn't really acknowledge that I had an issue with my relationship with God because I, I was able to eventually acknowledge that I had an issue with food in my body, but that was like a physical thing. That was like a separate thing. So it took me a while to realize that I couldn't like that this was taking away from my relationship with God and I needed to like reconcile that. I needed to like repent of that and and begin to heal from this with Jesus. I think it's it's difficult because it's not something that is really mentioned super directly in the Bible, you know? Jesus didn't have an eating disorder like that I know of. Or there's not really that story in the Bible that I can look to and be like, oh, this is how you deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, but the Bible does talk about our bodies, and I'll get into more of that later. But I think that I needed to acknowledge that this was a spiritual heart issue, not just a mind and body issue. This was like we are whole beings, you know, mm -hmm. we can't. It's really hard to separate, you know, the body from the spirit from the mind. You know, we are all at the same time and when something's off, you can't just ignore that and like pretend it's all good. Um, I did that for a very long time. And, and in reality, it wasn't good. Um, so I think um, beginning to realize that and then I was able to realize and still to this day, like, taking my thoughts captive is huge. And I think that's transferable for people dealing with a lot of things. And mm -hmm. Jen, again, with the great book recommendations here, <laughs> <laughs> she has got me in a couple of us reading Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. And it has been such a good refresher in this, like being able to recognize thoughts as like unhealthy and mm -hmm. lies and things that aren't helpful. And, and then taking them to Jesus and being like, Hey, what is truth? God, like this, this is not what you say. What do you say? And that piece is so hard. And I'm still like, today, I'm trying to think like, what is lies? What is truth? I don't like, it's, it doesn't come naturally. Like we just think anything that pops in our head, the automatic response is like, oh yeah, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I, what is true, you know? But to know that we have a choice in that 
and we can mm-hmm. stop that train. I mean, obviously there's a mental health piece that like sometimes our thoughts are too much and sometimes we need more help than just, you know, pray more. Um, mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that's super real and you guys know that. And, and I know that with anxiety and I know that I needed, you know, I needed medication for a little bit and I need to go to therapy. <laughs> like that doesn't mean that Jesus was any less real or is any less healer in my life. But I think there is some onus on us when we think about our thoughts and we think about what's happening in our minds that we have, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, you know, we have the power to say like, here's truth. Come on. <laughs> so good. Yeah. That's another book recommendation. The Ruthless uh, Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. You know, it's yes. a good one. And Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. That's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from that is I'm not a victim to my thoughts Mm-mm. at all. Mm-mm. Like I have a choice. And yeah. the spirit actually equips us to go to war with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, touch more on your faith and the refinement that this whole process has had. Touch on that faith piece again. Um, how has this whole journey refined your faith? Hmm. I would say as I was reflecting back, there's like two big lessons that it is constantly taking me through. And I love Jen and Ainsley, this like theme of identity, because I think this fits so well, because my lessons, I feel like the lessons are in identity and there's a lesson in trust too. So for the identity piece, I think this has challenged me to really think about a who I am and b like why I matter. So I think the unhealthy thoughts can really tie up my identity in my body, in me being a physical object that is better or worse than a different body and physical object. You know, it becomes that comparison game. And and also that affects what I think of other people, because I mean, I didn't like my body, but sometimes to make myself feel better, I'd be like, oh, well, she's bigger than me. You know, like, at least I'm not that, you know, because yes, I wanted to be thinner and I wanted to look like this woman but I knew there was the other end of that too where it was really unhealthy and mean for me to look at people who look different than me in in another way and be like oh their body's more messed up so I think there's that piece of like who I am is not just a body what God actually says (laughs) about our bodies he does talk about them and the Bible mentions that we're temples of the Holy Spirit and the temple is is a beautiful thing you can read all about all the details that went into that and the way it looks but the thing that doesn't make the temple or the thing that makes the temple special is not its beauty. The thing is what it houses. And so there's that piece of like, I'm not just a body. I'm like, my body houses something so much more, you know? And then that ties into like why I matter. I don't matter because I, you know, look good now or whatever, or I look better than that person. Um, but I matter because I, I have the Holy Spirit living in me. And moreover, I matter because I'm a child of God, you know, mm-hmm. and that again affects how I look at other people of, am I looking at them through the lens of like what they look like? Or am I um, looking at them as children of God too, that are just as worthy of, of, of love and attention and care and compassion. And then there's a second lesson, which is the lesson of trust. And the big question is, do I really surrender every part of me? And that's been the harder one to wrestle with longer term because I still, like, I still exercise. We should all exercise a little bit in ways that we like, but I need to watch myself. I need to surrender my desire to look a certain way because A, 
it's not always attainable. Our bodies are different. And B, that's not what God calls me to. God doesn't call me to look any certain way. And, and furthermore, like something God's challenged me as I'm like, you know, trying to develop fitness routines. And I really, you know, I'm one side so like lists and like organization and goals and clear mm-hmm. things. And something God has been challenging me too is like, am I willing to give up my fitness goals, healthy or not, for the purpose of like serving him more? Which is like, oof, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. can't I have both? And sometimes mm-hmm. I, I can't, and sometimes I can. And I mean, it's obviously case by case kind of basis, but it's like, do I trust that God's going to care for me? And do I trust that, you know, I still am going to do what I'm put here to do with, with whatever my fitness or my health looks like at a certain time? Because I know that's going to change and it, it ebbs and flows. If I ever have kids someday, that's going to be a big body change and I'm going to have to readjust my expectations. And am I going to trust God in that season that I'm still enough, that I'm mm-hmm. still, you know, his and that I'm still um, worthy? And I don't want to get into the thing of like, everyone's beautiful, blah, 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 which is like true, but I think it's unhelpful. I think one of the the worst things you can say, and maybe this is like going a bit off on a tangent, but sometimes what people would say when I would confide in them about my eating disorder or issues with body image is they'd be like, oh, but you're skinny or like, oh, but you're so pretty. And it's like, that's not the point, right? Mm-hmm. The point isn't my appearance. That's the whole thing where I'm trying to get over. And I think that was like unhelpful. Not that it's not true. You know, I do think like there's so much beauty and, you know, we all have beauty in different ways. And yes, that's true. But the focus is that like we have worth and value and mission and calling and we are like precious treasures. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, the, that's the main thing. Beauty is secondary. Yeah. That was a little tangent, but that's another thing that I like feel passionate about and I'm like the bottom line is that we're we're loved Mm -hmm. yeah it's not like patting it on the head and being like oh but it's okay but it's just about like actually changing the internal narrative like it's totally Mm -hmm. a switch from like I think that sometimes we have this like positive like you go girl and it's like okay but you girl doesn't fix the things that are going on inside my head right now right like yes there's real work and healing that needs to be tackled in order to do that so actually we need to talk that talk about that a little bit so what are some of the I don't know like safeguards or boundaries that you have set up for yourself so that you can continue to try and walk down a healthy path and combat these things so at this point, after being with it for a couple of years, I kind of have like my safe, I would call my safe people who know those things, who know, like, who know not to say <laughs> those kind of things and who I've talked with and we've dealt with that stuff. So I have my safe people, a couple of my girlfriends and Zach, who I ask them, I'm like, can you check in with me on this and be like specific? Because sometimes I think, and I was just listening to one of your episodes where they're talking about like suicidal ideation. And they were saying, like, sometimes we don't ask because we don't want to, like, put that thought in their mind. And it's like, Mm -hmm. if this person's confided in you something like that, you're not putting it in there. Like, you're giving them a way out by being vague and being like, how are you doing? You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's a similar thing of, of, you know, if Zach were to ask me, oh, how are you doing today? I can I can answer that so many ways. Like, but if he's to be like, hey, have you been eating regularly? Or like, hey, have you been skipping meals? Like, hey. (laughs) How do you feel about your body? You know, that doesn't bring it up in my mind of like, oh, I forgot I had a, you know, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. 
so I have those people who I've asked to like, not all the time, but you know, every once in a while can ask me directly in a way that doesn't allow me to be like, oh, I'm just tired or whatever. And other practical things I've done, I've set, you can set like limits on your apps on your phones. Most phones you can do that, I believe. Um, so one thing I've set limits on is my Instagram time, just because, well, I don't need to explain to any women <laughs> what they see on Instagram mm -hmm. or men of uh, the picture of what bodies look like on Instagram. I think it's changing a bit, but it's still the narrative of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, skinny white women, skinny, tall white women, like is, mm -hmm. is still kind of the standard. So I set limits on my Instagram time. I also like try and when there's things about like bad diets or losing weight, I try and hit the not interested. Like you mm -hmm. can, you can do that. So it shows you less stuff like that. So I try to be good about that because input I think is a huge thing for us. Like sometimes when I'm like feeling worse about myself, I think like, what have I been taking in lately? You know, mm -hmm. what music have I been listening to? What podcasts have I been listening to? What shows have I been watching? What's what I've been looking at on Instagram. And often there's like a bit of a pattern there because if I'm spending more time in my Bible, it's probably not going to come up in my brain as much versus mm -hmm. if I'm scrolling Instagram for like three hours. So that's another safeguard is like watching the, the stuff that's coming in as much as I can. I mean, we can only do so much, obviously, but what I can't control, I, I try to. And then there's that language piece of trying to tell people what's hurtful and unhealthy and sometimes it's super awkward I've been in some like situations with co-workers where they kind of go on and on talking about this woman who gained a bunch of weight and how weird it is and I'm like I don't want to say right now but like this is really triggering for me and like this is not helpful but like so I don't sometimes but sometimes I I like to say something because I know it triggers me and I don't know what everyone else in the room feels like right mm -hmm. um a big piece of that is I think the, the way that people talk about their bodies and food even who don't have eating disorders, I think there's kind of this cultural thing of like, oh, I've earned this cupcake. And it's like, what do you mean you've earned this cupcake, you know? Or, oh, no, I really, sh you know, like, I can't have another, like, I've already, you know, I'm wearing my loose pants tonight and stuff like that. Or my loose pants? That's so dumb. My buffet pants. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Something like that. Or even um, sometimes in the way people identify other people so if they're trying to get me to remember someone they're like oh like the fat girl with brown hair or like mm. oh the bigger girl or or the, or the really thin girl you know like when that's kind of the defining trait of someone I feel like that's like unhelpful and unnecessary also I'm like there's so many other things you could say about a person <laughs> like why does it have to be why do we have to focus on their their body type because then in my mind, someone who struggles with an eating disorder, I'm like, so you're, that's what you, that's how you classify me now, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh, so you think she has this. So I, you know, what are you saying about me? How do you identify me to other people? So I think trying to be honest with the people in my lives of like how their language is hurtful for my sake and for others sake. Cause I think that's sometimes, yeah, you don't know what people are dealing with and you don't know what's triggering for people and you don't know what they're going through. So like, why do we have to, you know, use language when we can just think a bit longer, like use language like that, and we can just think a bit longer and get the same point across, you know? Mm -hmm. I thank you so much, B, for saying that, because I like personally, you have helped me a lot in that. And I don't think I've told you before, oh, but no, you <laughs> as, you, <laughs> as you have kind of shared, like been open with your struggle with all of this, it has been so helpful for me to gain an awareness and be more thoughtful in the things that I'm saying. 
but also too for me personally like it's been so good for to me for me to be aware of like what I'm actually like that input piece that you talked mm-hmm. about or even like what am I saying to myself like mm-hmm. I've, I haven't had an eating disorder but like I did competitive sports and then when you mm-hmm. stop that it is tough mm-hmm. um so you've really helped me with that so thank you for that for me personally and that's so sweet that. <laughs> um what would you say to those of us who really wrestle either with an eating disorder specifically or even just with comparison specifically with appearance how would you what would you say to those of us who are wrestling in that way I have like two thoughts like practically there's like the practical side of and something my experience has been is what we see is a very poor indicator of health and fitness. And this is kind of something that, like, is not hard to find out and to prove. Like, sorry, I will bring up CrossFit again. But <laughs> you I remember, are allowed to. <laughs> I just don't want to be may. like that girl who talks about CrossFit. I don't even do CrossFit anymore. But anyways, I remember going there when I, like, at the beginning, when I was kind of in the thick of it and being like, oh, well, I'm probably fitter than her. Or I'm like, I'm definitely not as fit as her. And, like, kind of, like, just by like visually assessing, but then we would do the same workout and this person would be kicking my butt and this person would be really struggling. And it's like, not what I would have expected based on my like visual assessment. And so I think that's true. We need to like, remember that with ourselves is like what we see and what we see in other people does not say that that is healthy or that is unhealthy too. Cause healthiness can look like a lot of different things and fitness can look like a lot of different things. And our weight changes, our bodies change. Women probably more than men but maybe not even there's so much that affects it that's not just like you're being lazy or you're being you're eating too much or you know like our hormones and you know stages of life like if you're a competitive athlete and then you're not a competitive athlete doesn't mean you're not fit anymore it just means you have a different level of uh training and and all that stuff changes that's okay and that's neither here nor there and another thing I would say like if you're wrestling with comparison and something I I had to like come to to myself is I would think these thoughts in my head. And then a good exercise my therapist taught me is like, would you be saying that about your friend? Or like if Jen, I would picture like if Jen came up to me and said the things that I was saying in my head, I would be like, Whoa, no girl, (laughs) you know? And even when I was like really in my eating disorder, it's very easy to see that when you put it on someone else. And for some reason we feel like, it, that doesn't apply to us. And especially as a, as an Enneagram one and someone who's really critical and sees a lot, like, you know, can see flaws really fast, I think. But I, I don't think that's not just to Enneagram ones, but I think that my personality plays a part in it. We just want to, we see the, we see the issues much more with ourselves than we do with other people. And we sometimes don't have as much grace for ourselves as we do for other people. So like, if you're like having unhealthy thoughts, just think about if your friend was saying that to you, or would you say that about your friend? Like, probably not. And then why wouldn't you? And then, you know, because if I was thinking to myself, like, oh, I think my belly's too big. And then I'm like, would I say that to Jen? And I'm like, no. Um, and I'm like, why? Like, because that doesn't really, that's not the first thing I think about her at all. I think that she's really funny. I think that she's really sweet. I see Jesus in her, like, you know, and that's like, oh, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, what about me? So um, that's like a good little exercise. But mostly what I want to say to people who struggle with eating disorders or don't struggle with eating disorders is that there is a God who loves you so much just as you are right now. No requirements, no like 
prerequisites. You don't need to change to be worthy of love. Love is there for you. And that love is like more than more perfect and more complete than you than anything else in the world. That's like true right now. And for those of us who know Jesus is our bodies house the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. It's a temple for your soul. And that is precious. And we should, we should care for that. We should um, like have high value for our bodies as like tools, but not as idols either. Mm. Wow. That's a, that's a good word. I don't want to add anything to it. <laughs> <laughs> You've kind of touched on this a little bit. We've touched on this a little bit, but kind of speak to sort of these like health and wellness trends. And even one thing I think about and somebody, I can't remember who it was. I remember seeing someone talk about this is like, we almost flipped this narrative of like in the last few years to really even prioritizing like athletic bodies. So it's not even just about weight loss, but about like being super strong, being super fit, or even like if you go into Indigo, um, they don't just sell books, like they're selling weights and like self care and, you know, all these things. And there's just like all of this money and marketing put into like making us think so much about our bodies um, and like, obviously living a healthy lifestyle is important. Like we, we're agreeing with those things. Um, but maybe talk about some of those dangers of consumerism in some of those areas that you've seen. Yeah. It's so weird. It's on both sides. I have like issues both ways. I think <laughs> yeah. there are unhealthy things on both sides. Yeah. It's important. And I'm still like passionate about health and fitness. And like I said, activity is still a part of my life very much. So, and I think that's also part of my like healthy recovery is to keep, uh, like fitness schedule of some sort, keep some sort of activity in my life for my mind as well as my body. Yeah. So, but yeah, culture is weird. We're kind of moving away. Like there's been a lot of talk of like, oh, Photoshop skinny models, like trying to like get away from that. But yeah, we've kind of like been pushed to these two weird camps, which is that kind of like fitness, like you were talking about Ainsley, like fitness goals and trying to be super fit. And yeah, a different kind of standard that way, which is still essentially the same like comparison root issue of like this body is better than this body, which I think is so unbiblical, you know, to think that anyone is better than anyone else for any real reason is not really rooted in Jesus. There's not really a thing for it. We're all sinners. We're all, you know, but we're all loved too. Crazy. So there's all these things that are like masquerading as like wellness so I think of, I see like, uh, also like eating disorders and unhealthy behaviors disguised and like rebranded as like, I'm intermittent fasting. I'm like doing no carbs or I'm like calorie counting. And I'm like, I, so there's a place for those things sometimes, but a lot of the time I, as someone who struggled with an eating disorder, when someone tells me, oh yeah, I'm intermittent fasting between like, you know, bedtime and like mid noon the next day, I'm like, when I did that, I went to therapy, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's probably a place for some of these things. But again, like, why are we doing it? <laughs> I think that's the big question is like, why do we feel the need to do something so extreme? Because health, I mean, it's simple and it's not. Kind of what science has said, and I did a lot of research when I was like in the thick of it. I'm like, how do I stay thin? And what's the best way to eat? And pretty much like the reliable science we have is very boring. It's like eat vegetables and fruit. And don't eat too much junk food and try not to eat a lot of processed food and you're good, you know, and the, the diet that 
you can integrate into your lifestyle. Like, it's not like you need to do no carbs or no fat or whatever. It's like whatever healthy choices that will stick with you for a lifestyle are the ones that are going to work. And that's the best thing for you. So there's like that piece of like all these weird, unhealthy things disguising themselves as like fitness and whatever. And it's unhealthy too. But then more recently, I feel like there's the side of like, whatever, self-care and like, it's essentially disguising like gluttony and hedonism as self-care. Like, you know, like, oh, like laughing, like, oh, I drank a whole bottle of wine after this, or I've been watching like six seasons of Office in one night. And us kind of being like, yeah, do what you need to do. (laughs) You know, when I think of like self-care, you know, we have that picture of like a face mask. I don't know what you guys think of. I think of like a face mask and like a glass of wine. Um, Yes, bath bomb, which again is kind of like a trick for consumerism, but that's not the point here. (laughs) But often when I like actually think in my heart, I'm like, what would be caring for my soul right now? And what I want to do, it's not what I want to do normally. What I want to do is turn on the office, drink some wine and have all the Doritos I could find. But rarely is that going to make me feel better in any way, in my mind, in my body, in my soul, you know, because I'm numbing. I'm numbing and I'm not dealing with the issue. And that's like a problem. What would really be self-care when I'm stressed out is sitting with Jesus and being like, hey, I feel like crap. And I have like, I really am learning what self-care looks like for me these days. My work is very stressful. I work with people dealing with addictions and mental health crises and overdoses and people dying. And like, there's all this stuff that's really big and makes me feel so much. And I need to like sit down and be like, okay, like what does my soul need? Like, how do I care for my soul? And sometimes, yeah, I'll just like eat cookies and like, you know, watch a show and that's like, okay. And it has its place. But I think most of the time is as it's a way to avoid dealing with our heart issues mm-hmm. and, and, and really what would really feed our souls is to bring this stuff to Jesus, to mm-hmm. sit in prayer, to, to open up the Bible, to talk with someone you trust and open up to Jesus about what's going on. And I think, so there's that piece of like all this, like you just do whatever. And, and, and that's also harming your body. That's another point eating all the Doritos in the world is actually going to be bad for me. And if I want to take care of this temple, like it says to do in um, 1 Corinthians 6, there's a verse like, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And that's speaking about sexual immorality, actually. But I think it it has a good takeaway for this too, is like, am I treating my body like it's mine? I can do whatever I want and no one can tell me what to do. Or am I like surrendering and being like, okay, God, I want to be used and I want to be able to be used and I don't want to slow down that process in any way. So yeah, it's weird. It's pulling you in every direction I feel like, and it's really confusing and hard to find truth in that. So ultimately don't go to Instagram for like health tips. I find it's just too confusing and too many (laughs) multi-level marketing schemes out there that I'm just like, no, thank you. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, thanks for saying that. I really appreciate like the holistic view that you have in all of this because yeah. it's not just like just take care of your physical body. It like we are so so interconnected and mm-hmm. complex. Like we serve a complex God. Like he's made us intricately. And mm-hmm. so when we take care of ourselves, there is balance in that. Um but 
it's so easy to then go to those things for our like I don't know relief or yeah Mm -hmm. that numbing like you said um Mm -hmm. for you as you continue down this path of health and growth and again you mentioned it that you haven't arrived there um we are work in progress Mm -hmm. what are areas in your life that you need to be more aware of as you continue to grow I think it's this goes back to that thoughts captive piece and I like had this beautiful example today at work I it's it was a really stressful day at work today I'm not gonna lie there's all sorts of situations going on and then I go for my lunch break it's also funny it's kind of funny but I was like gonna cry at that moment and I was like okay it's my lunch break I can just like get escape from this for a minute and I heat up my like taco thing in my glass container that Jen bought for me at my bridal shower okay it's one of the good ones and I take it out of the microwave and I'm leaving to go on my break and I just drop it and it shatters on the floor so my lunch is now gone my favorite dish is now gone and I have to clean this up the immediate thought that came to my head was like you don't deserve to eat and luckily today I was like no (laughs) I do (laughs) like that's that's a lie I think it's that piece is like my brain goes places I don't want it to go sometimes and I don't know if that's just the way I was born or what I'm predisposed to if it's because of my upbringing I don't know but that's like that's like an experience of how today I would be dealing with it even though I ate a relatively normal amount of food today like I would Mm -hmm. say so I think I think I just need to always be aware that like I mean, yes, there's healing and there's been growth for sure. But I think that I just need to, the minute I think I'm, oh, I'm no Brianna, like this is a healthy goal. You need to run more. And like it, when it starts becoming something that's like not attainable and I start beating myself up over it all the time because it's unattainable, I think that's when I need to realize like, okay, if it's unattainable, is it because I've made something that is like just not for me? Or, you know, why am I beating myself up? so much over this like should I just readjust my goals I think yeah it's that that feedback piece for me of um yeah just getting angry and getting upset over things that are either out of my control or um within my control but in a good place already I love that idea that's been like a super helpful idea for me like the whole taking your thoughts captive too and it's also funny because I had a mentor who used to work at the same camp I worked at which is a horse camp And so she always taught her kids, like, she would pull out the lasso and be like, I lasso my thoughts and make (laughs) (laughs) And she told me about that. And so I feel like I have a really great visual in my mind for that. And so when you talk about those things. That's really good. The Western International version. (laughs) (laughs) For for all the horse girls out there, if this helps you. Yeah, I'm here for everyone. We're here for every type of person. Uh, yeah. Um, I just feel like I just need to say thank you for sharing this. Um, you know, thank you for being honest. You know, I think even the fact that you started off of this saying, you know, I feel so uncomfortable talking about weight and people's mm-hmm. weight and you're sitting here. And I think that, again, it's not just like a girl's issue, but mm-hmm. I think that it's it's not it's very common knowledge like, no one's going to be surprised by you know one of us saying that you know society treats women like objects whether it's for body positivity or for athleticism or for skinniness or for it doesn't matter like that's really yeah. we view people not as beings but as bodies and I think that what you have shared is just so important and 
um, you know, like convicting for me and encouraging for me. And so thank you for that. And uh, we're kind of flipping our little advice question over to you. Um, and that is, instead of just asking the best piece of advice, it's what advice <laughs> would you give to your younger self? Because we have a lot of younger girls that are listening. And so what advice would you give your younger self? Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> I have so many things I would say to her. But I think the main one is like, with love, it's not about you, girl, you know, I spent so much time and this is not just from my eating disorder. I think in so many other areas of my life, just thinking about me and how I can be feel better or be better, like, you know, some good pursuits, some not good pursuits. The more I'm focusing here, I'm like internally, I'm not focusing on God and I'm not focusing, focusing on others, you know, like that is a huge part of our calling is to, is to, is to be Jesus to the people around us. And how can I do that when I'm so focused internally? Yeah. Our mission is to love the people we're around and to do that to the best of our ability and to like, look for opportunities. Like, I don't even know how many opportunities I missed to speak truth or to love or to care in, in, in different ways, because I was thinking about what I wanted and, you know, what I thought I needed or what I needed to deal with, you know, like dramatic. I, I, mm-hmm. I like, I like the dramatics. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'm like, I, I need you. to cry for three hours. And I'm like, do you need to cry for three hours? <laughs> like, honestly, sometimes I'm not a huge crier. I don't very often. And I find it like I, it's really bad. Like, I feel like I'm not empathizing well when people cry in front of me. I just like, I'm stone cold. But sometimes I'll be sad and I'll cry and then I'll stop. I would stop crying and I'd be like, I haven't cried enough. And I'm like, think, I think myself into sadness again because I haven't like felt it enough. And I'm like, that's so selfish and dumb. Sorry, not dumb. Not being harsh, not judging. Sending love (laughs) to all the young young girls out there. But um, yeah, like it's not about you. And then I would also refer back to what I said earlier about Jesus loves you right now. And you don't need to do anything to earn that. That was another big thing I needed to like get over. And I still need to realize every day is just like, I can't earn this. You know, I'm not going to earn his love. I'm not going to earn a boy's love by being skinnier. Like that's a bad pursuit. That's Mm -hmm. a road going nowhere. Sorry, that's a tangent. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get too hot. I'm going to bring it back in (laughs) (laughs) on that one. But yeah. Amen. (laughs) The final mic drop. Brianna, for the fourth time thank you (laughs) oh thank you guys for inviting me to do this it's so it's healing for me too to be able to like take stock and reflect Mm -hmm. you know and like to like think about those questions like oh what is healing for me you know so thank you for this opportunity in that way oh you are welcome you know your girl Jen is having a sentimental moment here. <laughs> oh, there it is. I was waiting for my sentimental moment. Here it, it, I mean, it's, I've been keeping my mouth shut because I'm like, Jen, the whole point of this thing is to let Brianna share. <laughs> but use a gift and I'm so thankful for you. So thank oh, you. Oh. There it is. <laughs> Very sweet. We love you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you will not want to miss. So make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using so you never miss a Monday episode. Also, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Just Word Friends. And feel free to leave us a review if you're enjoying the podcast. Happy Monday. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> never gets old. I need to come up with new things to say. <laughs>